welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is the wrap-up episode of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger every week. For the last while, uh, we have been watching... Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute and a half. It's also also very nice of you to say every week. That's definitely uh, not true. Hey, listen, we're going to address that. It's the wrap-up episode. Uh, most every week for the last year plus, we have been watching an episode of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. We have been sharing our thoughts about it with you, the listeners. And this week, finally, we are talking about the whole series all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to this. Let me, uh, let me open up a cold bev real quick before we get rolling. And now, the bev has been opened. Dave... Let's also open this discussion. O-Ranger. What do you think? Well, okay. I actually feel a little bit bad because I feel like we sort of covered some of this stuff last week. And I do have some beef with O-Ranger. And my beef with O-Ranger is that they made me love it and now it's over. But, like, they only made me love it with enough time. Like, Jetman, I loved it. And then the arc came to a close, and I said, ah, yes, thank you, Jetman, for the memories. O-Ranger, they made me love it, and then they stopped, but I didn't love it for long enough to, to like, for the ending to be satisfying. Like, I, now, I, now I care. Now I'm interested. Now I, want, I really want more O-Ranger. Right. Okay, so let us then, uh, if we're talking about O-Ranger making us love it, and then... Uh, being upset at it after that. Why don't we talk about the things that we loved first and then the things that we are upset about afterwards? What do you like about O-Ranger? Because there okay. are things that we like about O-Ranger. Yeah, the, there definitely are things that I really like about O-Ranger. So, first thing I love about O-Ranger, I think O-Ranger had a fantastic supporting cast. Um, yes. Between the Chief, who was fantastic. Um, I don't, dude... He's not, man, those last two episodes, it might be the chief and the chief. They're, they're, like, that's a pretty close, pretty close to a dead heat at this point for me. At, um, yeah, when when the chief in O-Ranger was really at his full stride, he was as good of a character as the chief from Jetman. The problem is... That we got the chief from Jetman in basically every episode of Jetman. Yeah, we got the is... chief from O Ranger doing that level of work. Maybe six episodes out of the whole year. Yeah, um, that is true. That is true. But he also, man, he just had so many great old, like old man moments uh, mm-hmm. that I, that I just, I really dug it. Like at the end when Princess Multiwa is trying to use her hypnosis, and he just says like, ah. I'm I'm too old for that to work on me. Like I don't care. Uh, all I love is justice, or whatever it was. Like that was an amazing moment. Uh, Gunmagin is incredible. Okay, be- okay. Before we move on from the chief, can we talk about the chief for a minute first? Yeah, abs- I mean, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Here is a thing that I want to talk about with this chief is that as we have discussed previously, the actor who played the chief this year. Uh, he was one of the Rangers from the very first season, Go Ranger. Yeah. Um, he was also um, uh, the big one who was sort of like the, not the sixth Ranger, but like the bonus Ranger in Jakku. Yeah. And he has played a number of tokusatsu characters throughout the year. Yeah, he's been in Kamen Rider. He had a big role in one of the Metal Hero series. And then he also was in, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but basically like a tokusatsu show that I don't think ended up actually being a series. I think he was in like one of one, it was a maybe one-off. two. Yeah, yeah it, was like, it was a one series thing. Uh, and so do you remember the name of it? Oh gosh. I, I think we might have even talked about it last week. We d- uh, I don't think we did actually. But was yeah, that not so on the was, air? Well, in any case, he was the star of a totally different show. Yeah. So, so the thing that I... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the thing that I think that really does is like... Be, this dude has had a lot of longevity in in tokusatsu shows. Right. And, and I, I think, think that, that the, the that... people who were watching it when this show came out 
probably would have recognized him as a veteran of the genre, right? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine so. Or at least some people who were watching it were. It, it kind of makes me wonder, and I, I realize I interrupted you, uh, but I'm going to finish this thought real quick. It kind of makes me wonder if it is kind of like, do you remember, uh, it was like the last episode of the Matt Smith run of Doctor Who. Oh, oh yeah. Right? And when Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor, shows up in that thing, you see him and you're like, oh my gosh, it's Tom Baker. That's the fourth Doctor. Like, that is this classic guy. And there's so much sort of emotional resonance around just seeing that actor that even mm-hmm. though his part is relatively minor. But it's so good. Like oh my it, gosh. It feels so significant. I kind of wonder if anyone watching O-Ranger at the time had a similar feel about the chief in this show. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that makes a ton of sense because I think this is the what um uh this was what an season anav- is this? This was an anniversary show. I think it was the 20th year. So I mean, if you think about it, if somebody was 10 or 11 watching the show, mm-hmm. they grow up you know, so they're 10 or 11. Say they have a kid at 21 or 22. So that, there, there's a very real possibility, basically, that who that the, somebody would have seen him in Go-Ranger or Jackio and then have been watching Jet, uh, O-Ranger with their kid yeah, and seen and, him come on. And I feel like that's a really cool thing that we, as people watching it years and years later... Like, don't get that vibe. But I do wonder if that was part of it then. Yeah. Um, so I think that is super cool. And then I think also, like, being in so many tokusatsu shows, in so many sorts of different roles, I think probably gave him a lot of insight into tokusatsu and into the Sentai series and, like, what makes these shows so great. And I feel like he brought a lot of that to the role, uh, I feel like he like he very clearly kind of understood what made the show great and where where the show would was really good and did a lot to play that up um, and create this character of the chief to give the other characters uh, something to to sort of bounce off of. So yeah I, I really feel like the the actor really did a great job. The role was even very good. the honestly, my main complaint with the existence of the chief in this series just has to do with the fact that he was not given a lot to do. like he was very much written as a background character for a lot of the season, and when he wasn't in an episode where it was specifically about him, he was very much like a background player. Yeah, that that was a little bit of a bummer. But um, again, you know that has nothing to do with the character. That's just yeah, that was just that was just the writing. Yeah. But um, I, I, every time saying, he was on, on screen, yeah, I'm I'm just saying that so that when we come down to ranking who was the best mentor, like we sort of have it in our minds that like you know that's that's all part of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it absolutely is. So um, so I love the chief. I love Gunmagin. As yeah, crazy Gun as he drives cool. me. But, like, Gunmagin was great. And straight up, like, give me Gunmagin over Ko any day of the week. Okay, well, Gunmagin versus Ko, I feel like, is not the conversation we need to have. I feel like when we're talking about Ko, we need to talk about Ricky. When we're talking about Gunmagin, we need to talk about Ninja Man. Okay. Um, because Gun Legend yeah, and true. Ninja Man, I feel like, are very analogous, analogous characters. I think you were right. Um. You know, I dig Ninja Man, and I think Ninja Man also had, well, yeah, I think Ninja Man did have a lot more play than Gun Magic. Like, he was just around more. Yeah, he um, was. But I I think I like Gun Magic more. Yeah, I do. I Like, Gun Magic, the weird thing about Gun Magic is the thing that makes him, like, weird and problematic not problematic in like a, I don't know, 
Yeah, not like capital P problematic. Yeah, not like, like capital P problematic. Like the the thing that makes him sort of annoying. Is the the things that make me annoyed with Gun Magic are actually the things that make him great. Because they give me a lot of hooks for like weird headcanony stuff, which is like what you have to do. Like if you watch enough Sentai guys, what you will realize, it's sort of like playing uh, open-ended RPGs. You have to invent, you don't have to. But I often find myself inventing, like, I have my own mini-game. Like, I have my own story that I have invented that I am playing through. So, like, when I'm playing Skyrim, like, I am playing Skyrim, but I am also playing the story that only exists in my head, right? Yeah. And and when you watch Sentai, there's so many gaps in the story that you do have to come around to, like... You like Gunmagin, the character that they give you, but you also have to have a Gunmagin that only lives in your head. You have like you have to have your heart cannon about yeah. Gunmagin in order for him to make sense. And so the only thing that makes sense to me about Gunmagin, like he has to have these rules, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody has to wish, and he has to do this thing. But like clearly, the wishes don't actually matter because he only answers them if he likes them. Um, like, he's got all these bizarre rules, and they seem to be totally self-inflicted. So I really like the heart cannon version of Gunmagin, where, like, he's too powerful, like, he's too, he's too mighty of a warrior, and so everything is, like, weird and boring, and so he has to invent these new rules to make it interesting again. Like, everything Gunmagin done, he's, he's doing, does, he's does with a, like, a metaphorical hand behind his back. Yeah, it does kind of feel as though the the version of Gunmagin that we get in O Ranger is the adolescent stage of a character that, when it was a child, was Ninja Man, right? Because Ninja Man also has all of this crazy power, and it just got him into trouble all the time because he had no restraint, and he would just go like running off the handle to do whatever seemed right to him in the moment. So it's it's kind of like. What if you took Ninja Man, gave Ninja Man the realization that, like, the things he was doing were not great all the time, and then, like, had him build his own set of rules about, like, okay, well, if I'm going to live a life where I get to, like, exercise my power and help the world, but I don't fall into these weird traps where I sort of get ahead of myself. How do I do that? The end result is maybe Gunmagin. So does it go like Ninja Man? It's like the Poke Evolution here, like Ninja Man, Gunmagin, Kakure Daishogun? Like, is that... Yeah, I think maybe, because by the time you get to Kakure Daishogun, like, that's another giant robot with autonomy. And, you know, maybe not all of its decisions are the best, but generally speaking, it has matured to the point where it can really sort of direct the action and move in a way that is beneficial towards humanity. Yeah, so, yeah, I do. I really like, I really, really dig Gunmagin, and I do. As much as I did like Ninja Man, I think I like Gunmagin, I think I like Gunmagin more. Um, He is, like, he's just so buck wild of a character. Um, And I like he sort of shifts from being an antagonist to a protagonist to sort of like a weird ancillary, uh, weird ancillary character. Uh, I like his look. I dig that he's got a very Roman sort of vibe. I think that's very fun. Um, Yeah, his look really does lend... it, It plays in very much to the sort of like ancient civilization feel of the show. Because his look is kind of a mix between Greco and Roman, but when his head, when he's just his like little like head statue, it is kind of like a tiny Easter Island statue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just I don't know. He's got a lot. He's got a lot going for him. I dig his sword. I dig his elemental techniques. Uh, I really like the voice actor that plays him. Mm-hmm. Oh, the uh, voice actor is great. I know that if you've only listened to our show and have not actually watched O-Ranger, that is not something that is going to resonate with you. But if you ever watch an episode with Gunmajin in it, like, he's got this, like, big, booming, corny voice that really works. Um, and honestly, like, Okay, we're, we are going to circle around to it. What I was saying earlier about how Gunmajin really ties into, like, the ancient civilization thing pretty well, uh, that is something that the show really drops the ball on. 
It, and so it was nice yeah, to get a little do. bit of it sort of in the later part of the season. Okay, yeah, let's well let's there's a couple other things that I that I did really dig about the show. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's try to have some sort of uh structure to this because I feel like I want to talk about the show as a unit sort of at the end, right? Okay, yeah, so, for sure. So let's build to that. We've talked about uh Gunmajin. Uh another ally or other, the other allies that we can talk about are Ricky and Doran. Okay, yeah. So, um, Ricky and Doran are very cool and were completely wasted in this show, right? Yeah, Can we agree yeah, on that? Yeah, totally wasted. There was like a million other things they could have done with them uh, that they didn't do. Yeah, Ricky is awesome and amazing, and he's great. And so, here's the thing that bums me out about Ricky. I feel like there is a lot more play that they could have had with the fact that Ricky is like very definitely the strongest ranger, but mm-hmm. is also a kid. Yeah, and they do that kind of in, they've done it in a couple of series, I think, but of the ones that we've watched, they do do that kind of in Die Ranger, right? Like, Ko is probably the strongest of the Die Rangers, although he's not like the most skilled or cunning. He probably has the most raw power, but he's 12 or 8 yeah. or however old he is. It's he's, kind of he's ambiguous. He's not very old at all. And we hey. get that kind of in this show, but since Ricky is like a teen, it's a little less pronounced. And then also because he's not in that many episodes, it kind of just don't, never gets developed. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Um, Because, yeah, Ko is the strongest. Well, yeah, no, Ko is the strongest ranger. Like, just as far as, as rangers go. He's got the and most do- stuff, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they do play up the fact that he is a kid. I think where it would have been really fun in O-Ranger is the fact that Ricky is not only the strongest ranger, but is also, like, he's clearly the most experienced ranger. You know what I mean? Like, the difference there is that Ko had a lot of raw power, right? But also clearly was unexperienced as a hero in the way that the other Die Rangers were not. Like, they were a little bit more on their game. Right, at least by that point in the series. (laughs) Right. Whereas Ricky is, like, 110% on his game 24-7, and in fact is, like, the greatest hero his culture ever produced. Right. Like, when Ricky was an active Ranger, originally, he was the only one. He was not the sixth Ranger. He was the Power Ranger, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I think it would have been really fun had they done a little bit with, like, Ricky being extremely competent and the Rangers being like, yeah, you're 14, and Ricky being like, well, you know, then y'all need to catch up because clearly (laughs) I'm destroying this. Uh, Yeah, I love King Ranger. I love his look. I love King Pyramider. King that was a weird emphasis on that. But yeah, I love King Pyramider. Um I like that he's so absurdly gigantic. I do like that a lot. I ne- I never want to stop talking about it. The forced perspective shot where you see the already gigantic like building-sized monsters cowering in terror before like the ludicrous size of King Pyramider. Yeah, I think the only thing we've ever seen that is a lar- on a larger scale than King Pyramider is, um, oh, what was that that big dragon from Dyrono? I want to say I wanted to say Dyrono, but that's not it. It's um, troll like the dragon that comes from outer space to judge the world. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, like that Arishem, thing was bigger. Arishem the dragon but- is what it's called. Yeah, but that, that thank you for that um celestial's joke. Um but that was uh that's the only thing we've ever seen that's bigger than King, King Pyramider. It's it's very large and very good. Yeah. And it's like you get to see inside of it sometimes. There's like these weird hallways and stairwells that are like floating in limbo and it like exists in sort of a subspace. It's it's great. I really wish yeah, we would have gotten more of it. Buck wild. My only, th- I think my only beef with King Pyramider is, and I get this because, like, how would you combine with something that large? Is that the combination, quote unquote, is like all the other uh, Zords just like park inside it, and I think that's kind of lame. But you know, uh, aside from that, I, I dig it. I have always thought it was kind of lame until this very second when I remembered something, which is that the Ole Bazooka. The way they work is they open it up and they each put inside that big crystal 
and then they close it, and then they use it to fire. And King Paramedor oh, in his battle mm. mode kind of works in the same way. He has slots in the that's back. That's actually a very good point. I don't know if that's on purpose, but I'm going to choose that it is because it makes it work a lot better for me. Um, so, having finished speaking about Ricky, uh, now we have to talk about Doran, which is a, a sort of a weird conversation, I think. Yeah, okay. Talking about Doran is very strange because... Up, okay, so I, I get that Ricky is 14. Like, that's fine. Sure. Because, you know, it's like, all right, you are like a weird Power, power Ranger savant. Like, great job. You are your culture's, like, greatest warrior and trusted to, to control, to not control, but, like, to safeguard Doran. But, like, you're still a kid. Rat. Great job. Good for you. Here's where Doran gets really weird. And it only got weird in the last two episodes. Because originally, my assumption was, is that Doran was a 12-year-old girl that for, like, whatever reason, you know, she's, like, the chosen one. And she was the one who never should never fight. Right. I, and she was, like, the last survivor of the Doran society when it was, like, okay, she was named after it, like, whatever. But she's just, like, she is, in fact, like, a 12-year-old girl, however old she's supposed to be. Yeah, I genuinely thought, as we were going through the series, not that she was a special Doran, but that she was the only one of the Doran from the early civilization that hadn't been killed. Like, yeah, she was that... just what was left. Right. So that all made sense with the idea that, because the way she acts, like, she just acts like a kid, which, cool, right? that makes sense, she's a kid. Except now it turns out that she's not. She's like an immortal energy life catalyst from another dimension, potentially. Yeah, and she doesn't, like, she's not young and she's not very old. She's ageless, right? So, like... Right. But ageless in a way that is still definitely 10. Yes, it's very weird. Like, I... Like, had they made her look 10 and given her dialogue... And, like, we get a little bit of it where she says, like, oh, Rangers, you have, like, a great power inside you and it's your heart and you need to, like, do all of this stuff and, like, then you'll be victorious. There's a little bit of, like, ancient wisdom in there. But it does throw, like, a really weird cast on what was originally perceived to me at least as, like, very innocent childhood frolicking, where it's, like, Ricky and Doran, like, oh, hey, Ricky and Doran together again, like, happy happy children, great job. Yeah, I, I, okay, so when we were setting up to do this episode, I asked our followers on Twitter, like, hey, if you have any questions about the series or what we thought about it, let us know. Um, and I'm going to bring one of them up. I was going to save them all until the end, but this one I think I want to talk about now. Um, this is from... At Ahoy, I'm Parker. And the question is, uh, I he says, I personally felt that Ricky was a wasted opportunity, seeing as he was barely around. What changes would you have made to possibly improve Ricky and his relation to the team? So, here is what I am thinking would have been better for me, at least. It sure, I feel like I actually kind of already answered that question. Okay, well, the you've already sort of answered it for Ricky, but Ricky and Doran go hand in hand, and this is how I would have made Doran oh, yeah, work yeah, yeah. better for me. Everything that happened with Doran in the last two episodes should have happened 15 episodes earlier. Like, those things should have happened when um, Bomber the Great died and Bulldog came back as Kaiser Bulldog. Like, when all of that stuff happened, that's when we should have gotten the background information on Doran. And then we could have gone into, like, the last part of the series talking about, like, the force of the Earth and nature versus the force of this machine empire in a way that sort of would have made sense. But instead what we got is we just replaced one robot with a different robot, and at the very last minute we found out what was happening with Doran. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I think that you could have changed very little except for, like, when things happened and made that sort of hit a lot better. Uh, okay, so that's 
Oh, gosh, what have we done? We talked to Chief, Gunmidgen, Ricky, Doran. Are there any other allies to speak of that we want to mention? Um, We both still hate Paku, right? Oh, yeah, Paku's the worst. Um, okay, Paku is the worst, then I hate him. I guess, honestly, the other like recurring ally characters, there's Mikio, who apparently is not only in that last three-episode arc. He showed up periodically throughout the season, and I just didn't realize it, because all okay, of those little man, children are the same character. Yeah, I was going to say, like kids periodically show up in the show, and I got to be honest, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to who they are. I just noticed Mikio, because he was like so prominent. Yeah, he's apparently he's in the episode with like the Kandama robot. Like he's all over the place. Oh, well, yeah. all right. Good for um, you, but I, I really hope that kid go. I hope he's like a ranger at this point. That, like that would like you hope that actor became a Power Ranger, or you hope that yeah. Mikio grew up to be like a member of the O Rangers. Um, both. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, definitely. no, no, that, that's good. Okay, so that, I think, is all of the allies. Do we want to go into talking about the rangers, or do we want to talk about the enemies now? Uh, no. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's my only thing, is if we talk about the enemies, we got to... They got to go on the boss list. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about the enemies, just for a minute. Okay, well, let's pull up, uh, let's peach, pull up the creature royale. Yeah, now, um, if you don't recall, we did actually put... Emperor Bacchus Wrath on the list already. And he comes in at cool spot number seven. Uh, so, or I'm sorry, it's number six. So the slots go gray as the best, followed by Young Noble Jr. and Radigat as two and three. Then we go to Shadam and Maria, and then Emperor Bacchus Wrath. And then Ga- Gara, Daimud, Goma the 15th, Trans slash Emperor Transa, Akamaru, Bomber the Great, and Zaido. So Bomber the Great is actually on here as well already. So, okay. really, who we got to talk about is, uh, we got to talk about Empress Hysteria, Dowager mm-hmm. Empress Hysteria, yeah. uh, Empress Multiwa, and, of course, Prince slash Kaiser Bulldog. Yes. Quick question. I, I think the answer is no, but do, does Prince Bulldog and Kaiser Bulldog, do they have separate slots on the on the board? Uh, I think that we have established precedent that they do not, because Tran and Transa fill the same slot here. Okay, yeah, no, I was going to say, I think not. I just wanted to, I felt like we should at least briefly address the question. Yeah, and that is, I think, actually why they are as low as they are on the list. If it was just Transa, he would have been higher, but if it was just Tran, he would have been near the bottom. Yeah, now, I will say, I think, I think that's going to flip for Kaiser Bulldog. I think Kaiser Bulldog is good enough that he kind of pulls Prince, Prince Bulldog up a little. Yeah, and plus, uh, Kaiser Bulldog sort of the existence of Kaiser Bulldog as like Bulldog's final form recontextualizes the earlier Bulldog stuff successfully enough that I think it actually like it like really helps his positioning. Yeah. So okay. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about Dowager Empress Hysteria first. I would say. Okay. I think. I think. Okay. I think she's actually going to go fairly high on the list. I think the only thing that is going to ultimately limit her is kind of her lack of screen time. Yeah. Uh, Like, as a starting out, she occupies a very interesting position in, in like, the boss, boss characters. Because all the other boss monsters are all kind of pulling for them, pulling for themselves in a very real way. Like, uh, Shadam and, like, Shadam and Zydos and Gara, like, they sort of work together, but they also definitely don't, right? Right. And Empress Hysteria is really interesting. Because she is a villain, like, she comes up with her own monsters and she sends monsters to Earth. Not as, as much, but she does do it. And so she is a villain, and I think in her own right. But she's also definitely Bacchus Wrath's wife. And she's also definitely Bulldog's mom. Yeah, and at the very end, she is like a grand, like a robo-grandmother. Yeah, and so, like, I don't, that just makes her really... She's just really interesting because it puts a whole weird spin on her villainy. And then, of course, her face turn at the end 
where she like saves her kid and she's like telling her own villainous son to like not attack maybe not to not attack earth but like you know don't don't threaten to snap a baby yeah i think that she's a tough one to rank because as you say she, the moments that she gets are very good but sort of like uh the chief in this season the moments are great but they're very few and far between like for most of the series hysteria is very much a supporting cast character yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think she remains a supporting cast yeah. character, but she's a really good one. So I'm going to say, just real quick, I am going to say that trans slash transit is my, that's my floor on that one. I think she's definitely better than, I'm more interested in her, I dig her more than trans slash transit. Okay, that that works for me. I was actually going to say that my floor was going with the 15th. I think that she, I, you know, I thought about it. She brings more I to mean, the table than him. Okay, I do need you to remember that Goma the 15th has a weird cracked egghead and has like a floating pillar throne room. Sure, and is it obsessed with pinwheels? We all remember. Yeah, and, and literally fishes a boy out of hell. He does fish that boy out of hell. Yeah, so let's not... Okay. I feel like sometimes we're a little guilty of like letting the past like... Oh, absolutely. Like, and overtly guild or tarnish someone. And I just want to remember how buck wild and amazing Gomer the 15th is. I think I mostly agree with you. Because the thing that makes Gomer the 15th great is that he's just so bizarre. Yeah. And the thing that makes Empress Hysteria great is that she's genuinely like an interesting character. And so I, I think she beats him out, but I didn't want to dismiss it out of hand. Okay, so I think he, that she goes above Goma the 15th, but I don't actually think she goes much higher than Goma the 15th. Because above Goma the 15th, we have Daimo, like the main boss of Kaka Ranger. Not, yeah. Again, not the most interesting boss of Kaka Ranger, but he also had a very late game like, ramp up to how cool and interesting of a villain he was. Yeah, no, I agree. I actually, I think that's really it. I, I do think she's better than Gomez the 15th, but I don't think she's more interesting or cooler than Daimu. Okay, so let's just slot her right in there. That puts her as number... Nine on our list of uh, boss villains, right? Okay, so then why don't we talk about Empress Multiwa? Okay, Empress Multiwa. Um, she's fine. She's yeah, she's fine. Uh, I think the the most interesting thing about her is that she kind of shows up out of nowhere and like she's a really big she's a plot catalyst in a lot of ways, and she has that going for her. Like she shows up out of nowhere. And she, like, drops super crazy bombs on the Rangers and, like, changes the whole course of the story. Um, that doesn't make her terribly interesting. Right. The problem with her is that we only get her for, you know, 12 episodes or something, if that. Yeah. So there's not a you know, lot of time to establish her character other than, like, she's Hysteria's a niece. She marries Bulldont. She's the one who shoots Doran, but that kind of could have been anyone. Yeah. You know, honestly, man, like I'm looking at this list, and the only person I think, you know what, I'm not even going to say that. I think she might actually be at the bottom of the list. Yeah, Zydos. Zydos was never Zydos like... Zydos is useless, but at least he's interesting. Zydos wasn't useless? Okay, you maybe you forgot that Zydos' head is a volcano. <laughs> okay, his head is a volcano, and that's very, very good. And he always had the most interesting villains. Like, he always brought the coolest villains to an episode. Uh, he always bought, brought the most interesting, funnest, slash most useless villains. Yeah, but... Like, but you could... Zydos' plans are <laughs> always terrible. Like, they never work but you could, at all. But you could always rely on the Zydos episode being a good episode. And, like, Empress Multiwa, I feel like... Do, I do not think of her as fondly as I think of Zydos. No, yeah, I think I'm with you absolutely. I just don't want to like, I don't want to give a false impression about Zydos' efficacy as a villain here. But I think Empress Multiwa is actually at the bottom of the list. I don't have any problem with her. Yeah, it's the just, same reason that like, Bomber the Great's that far down. Yeah, like, I can answer, actually, I was looking, I was looking at Bomber the Great, I'm like, 
Man, even the Bomber the Great is more interesting than Empress Multiwa. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm comfortable with her at the bottom of the list at the new slot 15. So now... We have Prince slash Kaiser Bulldown. Kaiser Bulldown. Um, okay. So Prince Bulldown is the worst. I hate Prince Bulldown. But all of this, as you said, I think the way that he ends up and the fact that he like grows up so quick, like, you know, sort of like artificially quickly does recontextualize the weirdness of having this like boy dog robot rolling around at the beginning. And Kaiser Bulldog is actually pretty rad. Yeah, Kaiser Bulldog actually is great. Yeah, he's got a cool motivation, which is a, you know, like, I'm a villain and so I'm here to destroy Earth because that's my thing. But also, yo, he's in it for his dad. Yeah, like, there's this like is a, a family legacy villain. Thing. So here, here, I guess, is the question then. Is he better or worse than Emperor Bacchus Wrath? And I know it's been a while since we've seen an episode with Emperor Bacchus Wrath because he dies part of the way through the series. But like, okay, sometimes Bacchus Wrath was just like a big, angry, like space king who sent mean robots down to fight. I I think we, but that's a baseline. Every villain on this list, except, except maybe Gray and Young Noble Jr. has times where like, Nah, you're a villain. Like, you're a villain, and you send a monster, and, like, that's that's kind of uh, it. I'm also going to say Akamaru was never that way. Akamaru, like, he's near the bottom of the list, but he came hard every single time he showed up. Uh, yeah, that is a good point. Man, should Akamaru be slightly higher? Should he be higher than Tran and Trans? Anyway, no. No, nah, Trans is really good. Yeah, Trans Empress, Emperor Trans is really good. Okay, so... He would do it. Akamaru would have been higher than Tran. But he's below but because Transa, Transa. yeah, pulls him up. So there are times where Bacchus Wrath is just a villain. Um, but he has a, like, in his own twisted way, he has a, like, a righteousness, maybe? Or, like, a, uh, I mean, not righteous, but, like, a justifiable indignation and desire for revenge. Right, like, when the Virum show up to Earth, like, you know, they're, the only reason they want to destroy Earth is because they want to destroy things. Like, that's what the Virum does. They conquer. They've just come out of the back dimension. Now they're in the front dimension. They're just crushing all the dimensions. That's how the Virum act. That's what they do. But with the Machine Empire, like, he has motivation. He has specific hatred towards Earth. And I think that really like, colors his actions in a way that, um, you know, that's that's why he is on the top half of this list. Kaiser Bulldog also kind of has that stuff, but he has it, all of that stuff is tied up in Bacchus Wrath's motivations. Like, you know, he has inherited Bacchus Wrath's motivations and sort of added a few things on top of that, but, like, it sort of originates with Bacchus Wrath. On the other hand, Kaiser Bulldog looks very cool and he has a tricorner hat and he and his evil robot space wife have a love attack that shoots heart lasers. And that's extremely good and I don't want to discount it. Okay, now Emperor Bacchus Wrath also has like a dark sword made out of a meteorite? And yeah, then he, he exists as a head huge. in a jar. Yeah, oh, he had his own head in a jar from a space lab that he built somehow just exerting power out of his jar head. And then he used that to save Hysteria and Bulldog. And and he reprogrammed like a new grown-up body for Bulldog. I think Bacchus Wrath is cooler than Bulldog, even though Bulldog is actually good. Bulldog is really good. I I think I'm Bacchus Wrath is good. I I think because he's the dad. You know what I mean? Like, there's something to be said on Prince Bulldog's part for, like, carrying on his dad's legacy, but he didn't nurse a grudge for 600 million years. And you just have to give, like, you just got to give respect to that sort of anger. Right, and that super um, brutal Bacchus Wrath from, like, the first 10 episodes 
when he was just yeah. like killing the Cactus Brothers and like that episode with the junk robot where like the junk robot came to try to assassinate him and uh, Bacchus Wrath just like destroyed him in that throne room fight. Yeah. So um, if that is the case, does he go right below? Like, is uh, he better than Gara? Um, man, Gara's also real good, though. Gara does yeah, have that okay. whole thing with uh, Kujaku. Here's here's what I'm going to say. I think I don't think that uh, Kaiser Bolden beats out Gara, and I don't think he beats out Daimo. I do think he beats out Dowager and Persisteria. Okay, I think that's fair. I might have actually. Now, there was a moment where I was thinking about putting him above Daimao, but Daimao does really get great in the last couple of episodes in a way that um Yeah, Bulldog that's really doesn't. like you you have to remember like how strong Daimao finishes that particular race. Um okay, man, well let's talk Rangers. Okay. And I don't want to take uh, just in the interest of not making this like a 3-hour episode. I don't want to linger too, too long. Well, it's not going to take um, that long to talk about the Rangers, Dave, because here's the thing. They barely exist. Okay. Well, let's let's dig into a little bit more detail. Um, not that I have, like, a beef with him, but my least favorite Ranger here is Shohei. Oh, really? I think Sho- Yeah. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say Yuji. Well, it's kind of a toss-up, to be honest. Um, here's the thing. They each have, like... Two good episodes. Shohei's really great in the episode where his limbs get turned to gold and he's like fighting through it. He's also really good in that episode where he has to box and he breaks his hands. He is really good in that episode. Yuji has a really good episode. Um, he has this sort of, he has like some more heartwarming where he like connects with a monster. And so that's really good. That's also very good. Yeah. But like by a slim margin, uh, I, I say Shohei, but Yuji's like pretty much in the same boat. And the truth is, like, they're both just kind of non-entities. Like, they're there. They each have a few good moments where, like, remember, like, when Garo says, like, we're not going to lose. And Yuji just says, like, yes, sir. Like, that's a great, I love that. Okay, so in previous seasons, and I think this is something that we've discussed in all of the wrap-up episodes, like, there's always a few characters who get sort of short shrift from the creative team, right? Like, Mm -hmm. in Die Ranger... Uh, Rin and Kazu don't get nearly as much as the other three. In Jetman, uh, Akko and uh, Raita do not get as much as the other three. In um, in Kaku Ranger, Saizo and Seikai don't get as much as the other three, right? Like, that's just... Yeah. Like, there's only so many times that they can highlight a character, and so there are some that only exist sort of on the periphery. They get a couple of good moments, and you end up liking the character, but there's not that much to them. In O-Ranger, I feel that way about almost all of the Rangers. Like, you kind, like all of them have good moments, but you kind of never really get to know any of them. Like, you get to know certain, like, characteristic traits, but, you know... Not in the same way that I felt like at the end of Die Ranger, I knew Shoji. And, like, I knew Daigo. Yeah. No, I think that's a very good way to say it. Um, and, you know, sadly, I, and I'm ramping up to what I like here, Goro's kind of in the same boat. Um, oh, yeah. Like, he, as a captain, he's cool, and he does have a few good moments. Absolutely. There's a lot of good Gora moments. He is like a capital yeah. R Red Ranger. Capitals R's Red Ranger, you know? like You know, and in a way, actually, I think that might actually kind of be the problem with Goro. Is that he's... You know what the problem with Goro is? It's the same problem you get in, like, poorly written Captain America stories. If that makes sense. Yeah. like, Like, he's all Boy Scout... But there's nothing, like, there's no nuance to it. There's no depth. Like, uh, Ryu, total Boy Scout, right? Mm-hmm. Like, total captain, you know, in charge, running the whole thing. 
But there's character progression there. Like, there's growth and change and nuance to Ryu's character that we don't see for Goro. Right. He is like a straight edge. Like, Ryu is a straight edge Boy Scout, like, you know, by the rules dude. He's also a complete mess. And, like, yeah. he really has some stuff to work through throughout the course of Jetman. Whereas right. Goro he's just doesn't. Very, he's also a very posh boy. He's the poshest boy, Dave. He attended Sky uh, Camp. Yeah. So, I dig. So. Yeah, so go. Okay, so now let's do move on to the Winter Rangers. Yeah, I I like the fact that the two good ones... Okay, I love Jury. Jury honestly doesn't get much, if any, more um, character development than the three guys. I do really like her. I th- I okay maybe I'm feeling like she gets a little bit more but maybe it's just because her high points in my mind are so much higher. Mhm. Uh but yeah, I love I love Jury and I you know I think what I really dig about Jury is just how hard she kicks people. Like just how hard she kicks people. She kicks people so hard. Um and then the realization that she also is really into like collectible toys. Um I dig all of that. So Jury's great. And let's spend at least a few minutes talking about Momo. Yes, okay, so before we get into this, um, there is something that you may not know about Momo. I'm sure there's a lot of things I don't know about Momo. Okay. The, I yearn to know more, though. So we got messages from a few people on Twitter that one of the reasons that Momo was so heavily focused in the series, especially as it was getting towards the end is that the actress who played Momo was also, like, an idol slash TV presenter. Like, she was, fam- no she was famous kidding. for something okay. outside of O-Ranger that I think she was doing at the same time. And so part of it was them, like, just using her because she was a famous face. And I think that actually, uh, uh, according to uh, Alex, uh, Alex D, who... Alex, what did your... Twitter handle. Oh, it's just that at that Alex D. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex said that apparently at some point in interviews later, the guy who played the chief said that she like the actress was actually kind of like a pain to work with about that sort of thing. That she was a little insistent that she got more screen time. Mm, well, I didn't need to know that, but okay. Well, honestly, like that might be a shame. But even if that is the case... But it works for like, us, what, because we do get more Yeah, what we got out of it is that there is one character in this show that we actually got to know, kind of. And what we got in that character was someone I really liked. Yeah, so I'm trying to, like, kind of put my finger on, on like, what it is about Momo that I, that I dig so much. And um, I'm, I'm going to quote a uh, friend of the show, Shannon Maynard, when she talks about like the the best pink rangers, and I think Momo is a really good e- example of this, they have a a weaponized femininity, but like scaled up for giant robots. Again, that's a quote. Did not come up with that. I was just tickled by how she said it. And I think we do really see that in Momo. Mm-hmm. She is in a way that I kind of often expect a. A maybe a red ranger to be, but not with the same flavor. Momo really feels like the beating heart of this team in a lot of ways. Yeah, and in a sort of a real come behind way, because in the first like maybe third of the series, she might even be the least uh, featured character. Is that true? Maybe I'm just remembering it uh, weirdly. Uh, no, because up until her first kind of feature episode with the weird like. Not time traveler, but like time warpy. Yeah, the guy illusionist who, guy. He made like a weird illusion dimension, and he wore a Napoleon yeah, costume. Yeah, like we really did not. Yeah, we really didn't see much of Momo, uh, kind of at all. I think she was there, obviously, but but not in the same way that she did in the sort of latter half of the series. She's also the only person we ever really got any backstory from. Like maybe it was only just that one episode, but. Okay, here's another opportunity to ask one of these Twitter questions. 
So another one of the questions from uh, Peter Melling at pmel2293 on Twitter. Uh, he asked a few things, but the, the one I want to mention specifically is he wanted to know what we would have, what steps we would have taken to have better developed the heroes. Uh, he's asking specifically about Yuji and Jerry, but I think that what I'm going to say sort of applies to all of them, which is that we got a little bit of background on Momo. Everyone else, really the only thing we know about their background is that they were all in the military together, right? Or at least the four of them, other than Goro, were all in the military together. But even that, like it's mentioned in the first episode, but you never really get anything out of that. So what I would have loved to have seen is, A, a few more episodes talking about, like, you know, who these people are, where they came from, how they got to be that way. But I would have loved to have had a few episodes that really had callbacks to, like, earlier missions that they had worked on together before they were O-Rangers and, like, how their relationships developed. Because since they all came in together, there was, no, there was no need for the writers to say, like, okay, well, then these people need to get to know each other. Like, no, they already know each other. Like, that's the whole thing. Which, on one hand, is great. Like, because, you know, it really gives you an opportunity to just hit the ground running. But on the other hand, now that I'm looking at the series sort of in retrospect... I feel like that was a missed opportunity, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that is the biggest thing. And it's sort of what we've talked about in the in the last couple of minutes is that we just don't really know who these characters are beyond they've got heart and they're O-Rangers and they're here to save people. And, you know, like jury likes toys um, right. Like beyond that, like we just don't have any real insight into who they are, and and so that's the it just makes it hard to get traction on it. Like, yeah, I feel a little bit bad talking about Jetman. Okay, let me like let me talk about Cocker Ranger. Yeah, because Cocker so Ranger about, also really lets us know who most of these people are. Yeah, like let me. I'll I won't talk about Jetman for once. Like Cocker Ranger, uh, you know, like Surohime. Like, Suri, like, we really know what's up with Surihime, right? Right. We know. She's from an Asian ninja family. Like, we know who her dad is. She's got these two adopted brothers that turn into dogs. Yeah. Right? Like, we know her, like, surrogate father, butler, Alfred figure. Um, and then for, like, Jiraiya, we know all about Jiraiya's family. We know about his life growing up in America. We know about his dad's best friend who betrayed him. And, like, murdered him because he was working for, like, a secret monster lord of assassins. Like, we got a lot of stuff on these characters. Whereas Shohei... Yeah. I, don't know, like, I don't know what to think about Shohei. I know I like Shohei because the actor is very good at making good facial expressions. That's what I know about Shohei. Yeah. Or, like, we could go back to... Like, we could go back to Die Ranger, even, and, like... Rio, like, I don't, like, we don't know a ton about him, but, like, I know that dude wants to be a, 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 like, make the world's greatest dumplings. I know that. Yeah, I know he's got a sister. I know that, like, he's got a whole messed up family situation and that his dad oh, is wait, Darth Vader. Oh, wait, we do Vader. know a lot about his past because his dad is Darth Vader. I, I did forget about that briefly. You know, but, like, but yeah, like you, we, know, in, we've, you know, Daigo falls in love with Kujaku and he works in a pet shop and, like... You know, there's all these things that I know about these characters, and in O-Ranger, I never got any of it. Which is not to say that I didn't enjoy watching them do their thing, but at the end of the show, looking back on it, like, that ultimately is what is going to hurt it in the, our sort of final rankings the most, is that most of the character development that happened in this show happened with the Baranoia Empire. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's I guess that's sort of our. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's the answer to that question. Is like I just want to know who more of these characters. Um. Okay. So we've talked about all the characters. How do you like Dave? I know that very often you are in it for the giant robots. How do you like these giant robots? Okay. I I do really like these giant robots. I like. Ultimately, I will say, I. What bums me out about the giant robots here is that I feel like they take a step back in terms of coolness. I feel like O-Ranger Robo is a much cooler robot. 
than O Blocker. Oh, really? I, I feel the opposite. I think O Blocker is actually very cool. Like, O Blocker is cool, but O Blocker's theme is shapes. And that's... I like the fact that he has two swords. Like, that's cool. And I like the fact that he has a giant star head. That's cool. But aside from that, like, O Blocker's thing is that he's shapes. Yeah. I, and uh, that's, like, that's kind of lame to me. Like, O, o Ranger Robo is made out of a combination of, like, five mythical beasts, and he's got, like, interchangeable heads that all do different things. Yeah. Uh, I just think... I think O-Ranger Robo is a cooler robot. I think they should have started with O-Blocker as as shape robots and then moved into O-Ranger Robo as the, as the finisher. Um, I think the individual robots that make up O-Ranger Robo are way cooler than the... Um... The O Blocker, like individual robots, but I just think that the design of O Blocker is like really slick, and it looks very different than other, um, like other Mechazords in other series in a way that really appeals to me. Well, I do dig. Okay, like I said, I do like his giant star head. Um, Tackle Boy is fun. I like that he's a wheel. Uh, I, I personally feel like. Uh, I, I feel like he's sort of a rehash of Tetra Boy. Yeah. But I like Tetra Boy a little bit more. So as much as I like the idea of, of Tackle Boy, he he's not huge for me. Um, I love Red Puncher. Red Puncher is in my top top robots ever, I think. I Man, I like Red Puncher. I would not have thought to uh, put him that high on the list, but he is very cool. Really? No, I just love the idea of like a barely constrained... Uh, Punchbot. I, I really dig it. I really dig his like Gatling Gatling gun arms. Uh, I think his design is really cool. I really dig Red Puncher. Um, I also love that like the football themed dude who like runs at you and hits you is named Tackle Boy, and the big guy who punches you is named Red Puncher. Like there is no messing around with fancy names in O Ranger. Um. So. Oh, and I also, the other thing I think I really dig about Red Puncher is that when they do battle formation, Red Puncher is the only robot that, that sort of stays visible. Like, he's he's, an, he's a slightly more integral part of the equation, it seems, in that he is he provides the guns, whereas everybody else is just sort of loaded into the back of King Pyramiter. Um, speaking of King Pyramiter, okay, I don't actually love King Pyramiter as, as a design, um, okay, now, which, like, do I you get. mean you don't like the pyramid or when he stands up and is a dude? I actually, the latter. The idea of just having, like, a giant pyramid is kind of fun. When he stands up and turns into a dude, like, I get it. That's probably very hard because, like, a pyramid just doesn't give you a lot of places to go. Right, you'd have to really <laughs> sort of turning... origami that thing out to make yeah, it Yeah, like, there's not a lot you can do with King Pyramid. I, like, I love how um, big he is, and I love that forced well, perspective shot that we were referencing earlier. That is that is the saving grace of King Pyramider, is he's so just, like I said, just, like, unreasonably big. Comically large. And I do get a... So big that people reference it in the show. Like, monsters talk about it as they're being killed. Yeah, I do love that. Okay, so that's Giant Robots. Um, Man, I know that sometimes we talk about the theme of the show. Like, the not the theme about, like, protecting humanity, but the theme, like, ancient civilization and also shapes. But, like, that's not really significant to O-Ranger. Well, yeah, I think that's the... I think that's actually the most that can be said about it. And I think it's actually kind of one of the spots where they... They drop the ball. Like, so if we look at Die Ranger, like, they go really, they go pretty heavy on the mythology. Like, it becomes a really big part of the show. I think the same is true of Cocker Ranger. Like, the mythology is a really big part of the show. Um, it's actually a little bit less true. I, I feel like in Jetman, like, all right, like, there's Bradonic energy and there's birds. Like, that's true. Like, but you know, really, what you're, but Jetman, really, what they're doing here is fighting monsters. Jetman doesn't set itself up as a show where the theme and the mythology are going to be significant, you know? Like, they just say, like, yeah, we are a military thing and we're fighting these space monsters. But in O Ranger, they do this weird bait and switch 
where they say, oh, no, like, there are ancient civilizations, we draw our power from that, and here are these, like, robots that are shaped like these, like, tokens or totems of these things, and the power that you were powered by is very specifically, like, the power of the, like, the magical force power of the Earth that we later find out is, like, the soul of this 10-year-old girl or something, right? But, like, they give us that, and then it's significant sort of in the first couple of episodes as they're getting started, and then it's significant again right at the end, and there are one or two places within the series where it pops up, but it really is sort of an unevenly executed thing. Yeah, like, I was... I was really looking forward to them kind of diving in on this like weird ancient civilization stuff. And it was just like, it was just the skin, you know it ain't Like that was the character skin that they bought for this season. Yeah. Um, there, there didn't really seem to be a whole lot beyond that, which, which kind of bummed me out. Yeah. Now. And I, I think that we should mention, cause I know we talked about it a lot at the beginning of the series, but just in case anyone's forgotten, like, O-Ranger had to do a hard left turn about 10 episodes into the series because it was originally planned to be like a very sort of Jetman style raw sort of like a little like grittier series that was a throwback to the very original show Um, because people like those old shows are very like people just die all over the place and I know that it was going to be like that but then there were some like attacks within Japan that year and so they pivoted to make the show less grim because they didn't want to, like, sort of, you know, like, the environment was not right for a show of that time. And honestly, like, you know, I, I was not living in Japan at the time, nor have I ever lived in Japan. Um, but, like, I can definitely see where there is a very good reason to do things that way. So, when we say that O-Ranger sort of lost its way and gave us sort of like a floundering middle of the series, um, like, it's not without its context, right? Yeah. Um, Also, I think that O-Ranger had bad ratings. I think it had bad ratings, but the toy sales were good, if I read correctly. And And, like... There, huh. I, 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 okay. I was trying to read things online to figure this out, but I was getting like conflicting things from various message boards. What seems to have happened is either there was some sort of issue with the merchandising where the people who were making the toys like really wanted to put more toys in, and also the show wasn't doing super great, but there was good money in the toys, um, and so they were pushing through some sources I was reading and, and and please put sources at as many air quotes as you want like this is just stuff I read online <laughs> so that like the ratings were bad enough that like there was talk that this might have been the last season of Sentai um, I don't know if that was a ratings thing or like an internal squabbles thing or whatever um, but whatever the reality of the situation was O-Ranger was a troubled production that had to make some sacrifices and some shifts. And they did manage to make a mostly fun show with really good moments and a great ending out of whatever mess they were working with. Yeah, so I... Let's not dunk on them too hard. That's a really good perspective, Matt. Because you're right, this does end up being... It is a fun show. It does have a great ending. Like, I'm not mad that I watched it. Yeah. Um, but let's, uh, let's just say, where is it on our list of, this is the fourth season, so right now I think that our ranking of our, like, best to worst, and again, worst is a very qualified thing, we still loved all these shows. Yeah, I was gonna say, still love these shows. But first place, uh, as it stands right now, gold medal is Jetman, uh, silver medal is Dire Ranger, bronze medal is Kaku Ranger... Um, is O-Ranger going to displace any of those three? You know, again, man, uh, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Um, I, no. No, uh, we just spent the last, like, 40 minutes talking about why I don't think it... I, I hold that opinion, um, 
but I hold it. I, I don't think it does. I think it comes in a four. Yeah. Again, I had a lot of fun with this season. Um, and I also not only did I have fun watching the show, I had fun doing this show with you. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes with Mark. <laughs> <laughs> when we actually did it, we we did it most weeks. And listen, uh, listeners, I know that this year we kind of. Uh, we, we stretched the limitations on how you might define a weekly show here and there. Um, and I really appreciate you not giving us hassles about it um, and sticking with us. Uh, it has... Uh, yeah, it, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a long year in many ways. Yeah. Um, and we work as hard as we can to get a show out to you every week. Um, and when we can't, Mark and Brian have been really great about uh, keeping the Spider-Man show going, which is also very fun. So, gosh, is there anything else we want to talk about? I feel like we got more questions than the ones I mentioned, but a lot of them were sort of along the same lines. Like, when did you first begin to like Momo? What would you have done to sort of change things around? At what point did you sort of stop liking Jury as much and start liking Momo more? I feel like we kind of all discussed a lot of that I never stopped liking Jury, but... Oh, yeah, I always kept loving Jury. There was just less to talk about with her because she was featured less. Yeah. No, uh, the only thing I think to talk about is, again, man, guys, Matt already said it, but thanks so much for listening to the show. Um, We really dig that you dig it and um, that we have such cool people that listen to our show and engage and uh, chat with us on Twitter. And uh, I don't know. It means a lot. Like, I, we dig doing the show. It's fun to talk to my brother for, for an hour or two each week, and we both really like Sentai, obviously. Um, but it's it's cool to put a thing out, and uh, and people enjoy it, and, and tell us they enjoy it, and that, it's, uh, and that it's a fun part of their week, and that means a lot to us. So thanks a lot for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so speaking of us loving Sentai... Um, this is going to do it for uh, for your eyes, O Ranger, but it is not going to do it for the Super Sentai Brothers because the Super Sentai Brothers will return next season. Uh, we are watching, and I, I've mentioned this a few times on Twitter. Um, but if you're not on there, a good for you. But B, um, we are going to be watching Car Ranger. Uh, Car Ranger is coming up next. That is going to be season five of the Super Sentai Brothers. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, Car Ranger is. Uh, very wild. Uh, it is a... I don't want to say too much about it, except I will say this. It is a Sentai series that is also kind of a self-parody of Sentai series. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, man. They got car magic from space. It's going to be rad. Um, but other than that, I think we are done here. Is that true? I think it is. Well, in that case... That is finally going to do it for For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or future seasons, uh, you can check us out on Twitter at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get the show. I know we're on a couple of different platforms. Um, that's what's going to help new people find it. Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, specifically, producer Mark has uh, done great work again this year. And as always, we do thank him. Uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next season for the greatest show on Earth.